My question to you is, for you to ponder, is what is your vision for 2024? I didn't say resolution. So what's your vision for 2024? What vision do you have professionally? What vision do you have spiritually for your walk with God in this upcoming year? What vision do you have for ministry in 2024? Vision is crucial to any healthy organization. Vision is necessary for the future. Vision might seem like a new age concept that is discussed in modern day leadership books and TED Talks, but really the concept of vision is ancient. All the way to the ancient book of wisdom, Proverbs 29, 18, this is where there is no vision. The people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. And tonight, for a little while, I want to talk to you on this very important topic, a topic that's wonderful for the beginning of a year, and that is the DNA of vision, the DNA of vision. Sometimes I like my title slides better. I'm no Pastor Gavin, but I thought that one looked all right. I thought that was pretty, that was pretty solid, you know. Pastor Gavin just makes us all better, so I got I to gotta get better. The Hebrew word used for vision here in this passage we just read is divine revelation or oracle, divinely uttered prophecy or truth. Divine meaning God, and revelation is revelatory, or that light bulb moment, that aha moment from root. I'm getting better, not root. That's still the way to say it, but root. To gaze at, mentally to perceive, contemplate. And so Psalm 139.15 says, You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. Yes, vision is synonymous with purpose. Before you were born, God saw all of your days. God did not, God did not predestinate your days as far as like you have no choice. You're, I choose you. You're going to heaven. You're going to hell. That he, did not, he gave us the power of choice. But the omniscient God who knows all things he knows our days. He knows the number of our days like he knows the hair on our head, okay? And so he ordained a plan for your life. God threaded a chain of genetic instructions for your physical and spiritual growth, development, and function. Your spiritual DNA carries an enormous, unique, divine purpose that no one else can do. I want you to know that just like your DNA in your physical body is unique to you, you have spiritual DNA that God's put inside of you that says there's a pattern here and I have a plan and a purpose for who you are in my kingdom. There's not as many people here, so you have to be louder tonight than normal. So just pretend you heard the most amazing godly point. See, now if somebody just tuned in, they're like, whoa, that church is packed on a Wednesday night. 
God desires and delights to use each person from his great personal perspective, regardless of how other people see them. This is not about how do people see them, but what do people, how do they define you? What do they think of you? What are you capable of? It does not matter what anyone thinks of you right now. We're talking about what is God's plan and purpose. He saw you in the womb in utter seclusion, and he believes in you, and he has spiritual DNA in you now for you to be what he's called you to be. And so God desires and delights in us. And, and if we can, if, if, and if all he asks is that we trust his word and obey his transcendent purpose. If we can do that in 2024, I'm not saying you need to be something that you're not capable of. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I am saying in 2024, if we can say, I'm going to obey him and trust his plan and I'm going to walk in it. God's going to do great things in your life this upcoming year. And if we can do that, we will discover the incredible beauty and glory in walking in his design for our lives. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10 says, the Lord gave me this message. I knew you in your mother's womb. Again, sounds very similar. He says, I set you apart as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, he says, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Doesn't that sound like Moses too? How many people are often called by God and they start by looking at what they're not? And if you're in that boat, guess what? Some great men and women of God were the exact same way throughout Scripture. But guess what? They all ended up coming around and were mightily used by God if they would submit themselves to his plan, his purpose, and walk in obedience. So you go, I'm too young. The Lord says, don't say I'm too young. You're going to go where I tell you to go. You're going to say what I tell you to say. And he says, don't be afraid of people. For I'm going to be with you and protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I'm putting the words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against the nations and kingdoms. And some you must uproot and tear down and destroy and overthrow. And others you must build up and plant. There's going to be things that God's going to say, Don't be worried about people. I'm putting words in your mouth. And I have called you for such a time as this. And there's going to be some things in 2024 that God's going to call you in your life to uproot and to get rid of. And then he's going to call you for some things in 2024 to plant and to water. And so if we're willing to say, God, whatever you say, I'm going to do it. You're going to tear some things out and it's going to be healthy. And you're going to plant some things and it's going to be healthy. God has a vision and a plan for you and he invites us into the supernatural. A God vision is bigger than any individual we can sit together, and we talked about that at our department head planning meeting, about how we don't want good ideas, we want God ideas. We don't just want, oh, what do we want to do? Let's plan the calendar. We want to say, God, what is your purpose for this upcoming year? That's what we want. And so I said in the opening week of our Dominion series, people will say things like, this year I want to lose weight, get healthy, grow with God, have a better marriage, be a better parent, love more, be kinder, read more. Literally nothing on that list that I just said is going to get you anywhere. What do those things mean? I, I think if we started to pass around the mic tonight, and just, just in our group here tonight, said, what does it mean to lose weight? You're going to find that some people are going to be like, yeah, you know, for me, I just want to lose five pounds. And somebody else is like, five pounds, my Lord, I need to lose 55 pounds. And like Everybody start talking about different weight stuff. Some people say it's not about weight, it's about health, which I think is a great thing. 
And so it, it, it varies. Get healthier. Grow with God. What does, what does that mean? Pass around the mic. What does it mean to grow with God? Well, you know, for me, I just want to hear his voice. For me, I just, I just really got to... Gotta, gotta, gotta walk with him. I just want to pray daily and I just want to feel his presence. And I just, for me, it's just coming to church. And you know, everybody's gonna have their different, different concepts on that. Have a better marriage. What, what does that mean? Well, right now he sleeps on the couch and I sleep on the bed. Hopefully we can be in the bed by the end of the, by the, end of the year. We don't eat dinner together. It'd be nice to sit down and have a meal together. That's, that our goal. That's our goal for 2024. Well, great. Love more. What's that mean? Be a better parent. Well, right now, I just don't even want to talk to my kids. They drive me crazy. Well, let's start by trying to have a conversation then. I mean, like, what? for some people, we pass this around, you would find a whole bunch of thoughts on what I just said. It sounds awesome. Oh, this year I just want to lose weight, get healthy, grow with God, have a better marriage, be a better parent, love more, be kind, and read more. Wow, that's, a, that's an incredible person right there. Talk to him in 12 months, ain't nothing on that list going to be done. Because it's all just a dream. Dreams don't become vision until we apply specifics to these things. This is principles for life. So I started... In, Preaching a little bit, but I want to teach for a minute because this is where we get life principles for, for, for who we're going to be in 2024. My goal, inspiration, is on Sundays. Wednesdays is instruction. And so my goal is, if somebody says, well, I want to lose weight, my goal is to lose two pounds per week by going on XYZ diet and working out three times a week. I intend to weigh in every Tuesday and keep myself accountable to this person. Man, that's a good plan. Sounds good. I intend to grow with God by praying 60 minutes each, each morning before I head off to work or the kids get up. I'll do this seven days a week. Praise God. I'm going to have a better marriage by refusing to speak threatening and manipulative things. My spouse has told me she doesn't feel like she's a priority and I haven't been helping around the house. By the way, this is hypothetical. So every Tuesday evening, I'm going to do the laundry and at least once a month, I'm going to take her on a date night where I arrange the child care. Lady said... I intend to read one chapter of a book each night after I get my kids in bed. If I do this throughout the year, I will have read 365 chapters of a book, not including the Bible. If we read one chapter per night right before bed, it's 365 chapters of books. That's pretty solid. Especially when... The sacrifice is probably just not scrolling Facebook mindlessly. A vision without strategic action is just a dream. Look at Jesus. Jesus knew why he was here. He understood purpose. At the beginning of his ministry, he declares, and he says, ah, he says, if time of the Lord has come, he says, he, the, I'm here to preach the good news. He sent me to proclaim that the, the captives will be released, the blind will see, and he lays these things out. He's the one that says, I am come that you might have life. He says, I am the door. He, I've come to seek and save the lost. He just, he just, he knew his plan. He knew his purpose. Here's why I exist. Here's my DNA. And if we're called to be Christ followers, I just don't think he's okay with us going, well, I 
I don't know, I can try and make the church on Sundays and hopefully be a good person. God's got more for you than that. He's got a, a spiritual DNA that's far more powerful. But it's not going to just happen. He was constrained by his vision. He never sounded confused or hesitant. He spoke clearly, and guess what? He passes that on to his disciples. Mark records Jesus' last words after he, he, he's risen, and he, prior to his ascension, Mark 16, 15, he says, he said to them, you, he looks at them, you go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. He says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They're going to speak with new tongues. They're going to take up serpents. They're going to drink any deadly thing. It won't hurt them. They're going to lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. And so after the Lord spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth, and they did it. They preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. What if they would have just said, cool, that's awesome. Hopefully this next year something happens they're like let's go he said do this 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 and this so i want to go do this 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 and this what is he speaking to you in 2024 it's time to go do it jesus declares a vivid description that creates a pathway to a tangible reality we must replicate his model a, a, a vision for our lives it, it's it's not just a church corporate vision we're like here's the word of the year we're gonna put a banner on the wall let's great cool do that but that that that's not always just your visions god's got a vision for you he's got a vision for your household your ministry your walk with him what vision do we have for 2024 that articulates our divine purpose? I've talked to a couple people recently about ministry, and not every opportunity is a responsibility. And so there's times where you have to step back and go, hey, I want to serve, but I want to serve where God is calling me to serve. I want to not just fill a need. I want to step into what God is calling me to be. And so ask yourself, why am I here? Why do I exist? What does God have planned for me in this year? Listen to this next part closely. I must discover why. Why is, is vision and purpose. I must discover why I am here. Before I can determine what my mission is and how to dedicate my resources in time. To accomplish my purpose. Because if I can go, okay, why? 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 Now if I can hear from you, why am I here? Why do I exist? Why are you calling me to this part in this ministry in this time? Now I can start to go, what can I do now to accomplish that why? Without a why, one's what is confused and wandering. It's a passive existence with no purpose. Without a vision, the people perish. So we must all awaken to our why. It begins with why. Why precedes what? What precedes how? Vision is what preserves you during times of adversity. Because adversity is going to come. Again, this is not a prophetic word. But 2024, we got 12 months. I think I say this every year. And I sound like this just terrible person. But bad things are going to happen to you 
in the next 12 months. Sounds like a fortune cookie. Good things are on your horizon. Bad things will happen. Keep your head up. Like, I could write fortune cookies. That's not a fortune. That's not like, that's just life is going to happen. And not everything in life is going to go exactly the way you hoped or planned. And so adversity is going to come. Don't despise adversity. Adversity builds strength. And sometimes what we deem adversity is simply God redirecting our paths into his will rather than our own. And so adversity is going to come, but vision has to hold us in times of adversity. It gives present physical discomfort meaning and purpose, vision does. And strong vision is what will keep you pressing on in exercise when your body aches. If you have not exercised in a long time and you're like, I'm going to exercise this year. I probably wouldn't be like, 500 jump ropes, 60 squats, 50 push-ups. Because we probably won't even see you Sunday. <laughs> but if you're like, I'm going to start here. I'm going to just show up. And if you haven't worked out, I promise you, your body is going to scream at you. And if it's anything like mine... It's going to hurt in 24 hours, and it's going to scream in 48 hours. So, like, people, if I go work out, then, and I work out really hard, the next day I'm like, oh, man, I'm kind of tight. And it's the next day that I'm like, oh, oh. And people will say it's the truth. You have to force yourself back into that gym while you're sore because those muscles have tightened up so much. And to use them again starts to train them that this is the new way of life. And little by little, strength is built, weight is lost, health is gained. And so I'm not here, I'm not a physical trainer or anything like that. Lord knows I put on a couple pounds this year. But what I'm saying is when your body aches, what will keep you pressing on? It's vision. I don't know a lot of people that are like, my legs hurt so bad, I can't go down the stairs. I love this! It will help you continue working on a church plant on a Sunday when no one shows up and you're utterly exhausted from being in two services ministering in two different places. Vision. Keep the team going. It will help you plan a date night with your spouse when it seems like a lot of work and your lazy bones are like, I just... Well, come sit on the couch and scroll Facebook. But I have vision as why I'm making this investment. You'll get up 60 minutes earlier on a work day, even though when the alarm first goes off, you're like, oh, no, this is not possible. This is not happening. Because the vision remains, I want to know Jesus. And I refuse to sacrifice a little sleep for my relationship with him. Determination is the ability to pursue your purpose without waver because you know your destination is greater than your current location or circumstances. That's long, but it's so good. I probably need to repeat it. Determination is the ability to pursue your purpose 
without waver because you know your destination is greater than your current location or circumstances. That's vision. So where are you right now? Spiritually, relationally, physically, ministerially. Where are you? Is this the same spot you want to be next year? Is this the same spot relationally, socially, professionally, spiritually, ministerially? Is this the same spot you want to be next year? If there are certain areas, if you're like, yeah, I'm totally fine. But if there's like one or two that you're like, no, I kind of I like to, to, to move forward in this area. Then what's the plan? Then what's the vision? Because if you just say, I hope, I hope it works out. I hope. What, what is that going to do? I hope that walking to and from the fridge each morning will lose me a couple pounds. Good luck. I hope that I'm going to get a better job. I'm, I don't have a resume, and I'm not sending anything out. But I hope that something happens. Good luck. I hope that I'm going to become a powerful man of God in this upcoming year. Are you doing anything to do that? Good luck. Determination is the perseverance that keeps you going amidst low valley trials against when you don't feel like it. Some people who lack vision are the ones who are always against restraints. Let me explain what I mean. I hate giving 10% of my income to God. It's restraining. Interesting. I hate feeling you're so restricted living on a budget. I feel so restrained and restricted. I, I would have a ton of money if I had money for every time someone told me that. Just on American society in general, chances are someone is in this room that says that. The budget feels very restricting, especially to a, a spender. Saver spouses right now are, are, are literally interceding, going, God, let my spouse hear this. God, please, please, Lord, let my spouse hear this in Jesus' name. Like, they're interceding. Spenders are like, no, 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 no. Mm -mm. Not going on a budget. People are not going to tell me where to put my money. No, you tell your money where you're putting it. That's the strength. <laughs> Instead of the money controlling you, you control the money. But people will say, oh, well, I'm, I'm so restraining. I'm so, I'm so res there's so much restraint. Waking up to work out restrains me from getting other things done in the morning. But true vision possesses restraints which create freedom. So the restraint says, I'm going to choose not to eat this. Instead, I'm going to do this. So I'm, I'm, I'm creating physical freedom. The restraint says, oh, no, 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 I know I could spend all my money, but I'm going to align my life in 2024 as someone who gives God the first fruit, 10% tithe that he asks for, and I'm going to see if he really blesses me this year. After all, he said, prove me. Restraint says, no, this, this year, I will live on a budget. I'm going to put my, my money will be spent on paper, and instead of just going, well, we kind of try, and I close my eyes and throw the money up and see where it lands. No. You might have to face a sad reality. I remember the first time we started our budget. We went on a budget like 
17 years ago or something like that. And uh, she had been pushing for it. And I sat down and we wrote the numbers out. And I was like, oh, what about this? She's like, yeah, except for you forgot this, this, and this. And I was like, all right, we'll throw that in there. Then let's do this. Puts it in there. And then there wasn't enough money for the month. And I was like, well, this, this is why people don't do this. This is not fun. Ignorance is bliss. Don't you want to see how money, much money you have? No. I just hope it works out. Want to go out to eat? No. We had to start going, okay, let's make some really hard decisions. Uh, yeah, that, that new car we bought, that was not smart for us. Most of the time, it's not smart for anybody, but really wasn't smart for us. So we need to sell that. You know how we're going out to eat every weekend? Yeah, we can't do that anymore. And like stuff started changing because we said, let's write this out. Let's figure out what, how we can live to start to, to start to take on this battle. Yeah, but the, the budget was so restraining. Until years later, you're debt free. And you have more financial freedom and you can live like no one else and give like no one else. Because you were willing to, to pay a price and live like no one else for a while and put Oreos back in the grocery store because you're over your grocery budget. One of my kids said something about quizzing. They were like, yeah, don't talk to them about quizzing. Quizzing's hard. I said, honey, I said, anything in life that's worthwhile is hard. So if we're looking to just accomplish easy things and live an easy life, have fun. But hard things... That those restraints, if we will say, no, I'm willing. True vision possesses restraints that create freedom. Freedom to thrive under the restraints of a single vision and purpose. Freedom to set your face like a flint with, while restraining yourself from things that subtract or detract from your vision. That's why the Hebrews writer says, lay aside every weight and sin. Two different things. A sin, definitely Christians should be laying aside sin. We should be dead to sin. But sometimes it's not even just sin. It's just weights. It's stuff that goes, okay, God's given me a vision, a plan, a purpose for my life. And sometimes I have to lay aside a weight to accomplish what he is calling me to accomplish. It's not even a bad thing. It's just going, I can't continue to do this if I'm trying to do this. And so in order to accomplish your vision, to accomplish God's vision for your life in 2024, we have to be willing to restrain ourselves to accomplish that vision. Vision will ultimately provide freedom. I, I wish I could replay this message over and over because I'm not shouting it. I'm not like saying it with excitement. like ah! And I wish there were more people here because... I'm just going through points and saying things and sharing my heart, and we're talking about everything from exercise, eating, to, to, to spiritual, to giving, to ministry. We're all over the place, but we're not really all over the place because if we will live our life with this kind of vision and go, I'm willing to say there's certain restraints I will put into my life so that I can live in freedom, even if the freedom's not immediate, and yes, the things I'm telling you will change not just your lives forever. But I'm talking about 
your great-grandkids' lives forever. Because when somebody develops that kind of walk with God, that kind of exercise and health, that kind of eating habits, that kind of giving, that kind of serving in church, that kind of budgeting, it changes family trees in all these different ways. And so I just, these things are life principles. They're not just random life, but these are biblical life principles that God talks about these things. It's time to move our dreams to vision, and as one would say, we would need to write them down. God didn't just have a spoken word. He also provided us with a written word. Now, one that would test the, is certainly he also made sure to provide, you know, it was spoken, but that, that, that inspired word of God is God breathed, but someone, he had it recorded for us. And it's withstood the test of time for thousands of years. It's been translated into known languages. When it could have died, he preserved it. Accomplishing in vision entails bringing the unseen or the supernatural into the seen or the natural with clarity for those who would read it. It's being intentional. A couple of years ago, my wife and I, again, clarified our will. Being intentional. We have three kids. We have a plan. Not just, oh, yeah, everybody gets it. No, like even executor of the will. I don't want anybody, anybody getting in arguments over anything after I'm dead and gone. Which today on Facebook Marketplace, I saw the most interesting thing. I had never seen this before. I don't know if it's new or used, but there was a coffin for sale on Facebook Marketplace. I said to her, I said, is this a good deal? And I texted Pastor Gavin. I said, man, I said, this is a good deal. I should pick this up and just throw it in the corner. And then my wife said, something happens to me, just like, yeah, we got the coffin in, you know, like. No, no, oh, okay. We laughed. Maybe you're like, that's dark. But Habakkuk. Two, it says, the Lord answered and said, write the vision, make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Sometimes visions are not instantaneous. Write it down. There's coming a time. People are going to read it. It's going to be important because it will surely come. It will not tarry. God told Moses and John the Revelator, he says, write down what I'm saying. Faith records vision. Don't just think it, ink it. That's the most response I got out of you tonight. I thought the, I thought the coffin was going to do, the casket was going to do better, but no one can follow an uncharted course. Articulating the vision on paper pulls the dream that is in your spirit that no one can see but you into the visible world so that others can capture it in their own hearts. This often happens with what God will speak to me and place on my heart. And then I try to communicate that to our church planning team or to the department head team. I'm currently doing this right now with the Excelsior Springs church plan. I'm waiting for God to clarify some details. And, uh, and I, I read something. One, it said that the three reasons why church plants fail are lack of calling, lack of plan, and lack of resources. Lack of, lack of funding. And I was like, God, you've called us. You've opened the door. I was like, we as a mother church are healthy financially. We're going to help support and get these daughter works up and running. 
the plan has got to be strong and it cannot be my own. And so even though I want to have a meeting and get running, there's certain things I'm waiting for clarity from God. And then I'm going to try to express that to our team and, and wait. And, and even our department heads and ministry directors, you might have a vision in your head, but if you are not expressing that regularly, people don't know. Imparting God's vision to the team around you is the single most important factor in seeing the mission accomplished. This definitely goes, again, for all our ministry, but also, how about your family? Your family's your first ministry. What's the vision of your household? What lines are drawn? What, what does God have for your family in 2024? Impart your vision to your family, too. And no matter what the team or the venue is, the vision will never be carried out based on one sermon, one meeting, or one conversation. You ever run a team of people for a college class, it's a work project, maybe you're a boss, and you're like, yeah, I told you. And they say, well, I never heard that. And you're like, we just talked about it. We just had it all lined up. Anybody this ever happened? Three of you. So four of you. Okay. <clears throat> This happens regularly. Even in, we, we had to revamp how we do announcements. because we'd announce stuff, I'd take forever, and people would say, you never announced that. I'm like, Dude, we just spent 20 minutes of a Sunday service announcing that. And people would say, I never heard it. We're like, okay, so we're trying to figure out. Even the gospel message, teams, leadership, your family. How many of you have wonderful kids that you say, yeah, I just speak one time, they listen and do it. It's amazing. That would be awesome. I mean, I would love to have an eight-year-old, 12-year-old, and I just go, hey, guys, uh, if you could, boom. And I come downstairs, and, like, all the shoes are put away. The stuff's hanging on the wall. Wash is put away. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I just spoke one time. They all listen. It's, it's incredible. But it has to be consistently communicated. Check out this article I found, and I need to keep rolling here. How frequent your communications must be to reach and activate your audience. So let's just think, marketing, if you're in business, family, ministry, kind of think through the scope of this, okay? Long-standing research and advertising tells us that it takes three to seven impressions before a message registers. So if you ever want to say, why do you repeat yourself sometimes in your, in your messages? Most of the time, not all the time, most of the time it's intentional. Sometimes I just lost my train of thought and I'm getting older, but... A frequency of fewer than three messages is a waste of money. But a frequency beyond seven continues to have a cumulative benefit. Diminishing returns doesn't set in for a good while. You get sick of your ads before your prospect does. Marketing experts like to debate the right ways to calculate effective frequency. Some say repeating a message three times will work, while others say the rule of seven applies. But there was a study from Microsoft investigating the optimal number of exposures required for audio messages. And they concluded that between six and 20 were best. So listen to this. We're going to have fun. The first time, so think about, oh, I, I shared the church post. I shared the service, and nobody really paid attention to it. Why do you send text messages with the same information? Why does pastor repeat himself throughout his message? 
Why does my boss keep sending the same stuff? Listen to this. Why do ads pop up regularly? The first time people look at an ad, they don't see it. Second time, they don't notice it. Third time, they're aware that it's there. Fourth time, they have a fleeting sense that they've seen it before. Fifth time, they actually read the ad. Sixth time, they thumb their nose at it. Seventh time, they get a little irritated with it. Eighth time, they think, here's that confounded ad again. Ninth time, they wonder if they're missing out on something. Tenth time, they ask their friends or neighbors if they've tried it. Eleventh time, they wonder how the company is paying for all these ads. Twelfth time, they start to think it must be a good product. Thirteenth time, they start to feel like the product has value. Fourteenth time, they start to feel like they've wanted this product for a long time. Fifteenth time, they start to yearn for it because they can't afford to buy it. Sixteenth time, they accept the fact that they'll buy it sometime in the future. Seventeenth time, they make a commitment to buy the product. Eighteenth time, they curse their poverty because they can't buy this terrific product. Nineteenth time, they count their money very carefully. And the twentieth time, they see the ad, they buy what's, what's being offered. Interesting. You're going to see a lot of ads as we launch churches. This is even more interesting when you note that this was actually written in 1885. Huh. You really think about people, they haven't changed much. One research abstract says, studies suggested that repeated statements are perceived as more truthful than statements made less frequently, presumably because repetition imbues the statement with familiarity. In simple terms, frequency breeds familiarity, and familiarity breeds trust. See, so you can just pull things tonight if you're going to launch a business, if you're going to manage people, if you're going to run a ministry, if you're going to set, set the standard for your family and your children. We're just giving you some life principles here. And it's going to pay off if you stay awake. We can't just invite people to church one time. Can't just share the service one time. We cannot lead our ministries and get frustrated because that one meeting you had last year. Can't talk to our kids one time and expect them to have it. Can't tell our spouse, I told you I loved you on our wedding day, and if anything changes, I'll let you know. Make plans prayerfully based on your vision and then set goals. Goals are simply a vision broken down into smaller pieces that are measurable in time and space. God does not promise to eliminate challenges. Instead, he gives us the strength and authority to meet those challenges. He doesn't leave us alone with our challenges. He stands with us. God's imparted purpose is in you. God's purpose is a promise, and he's given you dominion. Nevertheless, promises do not self-actuate. One must actively pursue and possess their promise. 
God set the children of Israel's, and I'm almost done, their flight coordinates. He says, I got a promised land. You spent 430 years in bondage, and uh, you're going to depart Egypt. I've already secured your land of promise. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. The coordinates were set. The promise was done. But they had to pursue and possess the land. And it did not just fall in their lap without action on their part. So if we think we're moving to independence and starting a church plant, we're going to sit back and we just watch God rock and roll now simply because we moved the chairs that we sit in into a different city. I mean, if seriously, if we, if, if even subconsciously you're thinking that, I can't, I can't overemphasize how wrong you are. With the transition of building and worship facility, there has to be a transition in mindset. There has to be where, God, you've called me into a new mission field. And I am going to reach the lost. Unfortunately, Israel went off course at Kadesh Barnea just miles before their arrival. And when they reached the border of the promise, they stopped. And they turned back to wander aimlessly for 38 years until all the unbelief died out. Millions unnecessarily perished prematurely without fulfilling their promise. Just a catastrophe. Israel was cursed for not believing, not pursuing, not fighting, not possessing. And it was theirs. I'm telling you, God's got something for you this year. It's theirs. It's, it's yours. It's, just, it's there for you to possess. But a vision doesn't self-actuate. Vision takes active pursuit, persistence, and perseverance. And a big misconception is we use this sometimes. One must wait on God to open their promise. And I think there are times that, yes, I don't think we should be beating doors down and I'm coming here in Jesus' name whether you like it or not. Like, no. But some die waiting for a supernatural sign. Although they felt the call and believed God's purpose, they never apprehended it. They felt the call. They believed his purpose. And then I see in the New Testament that Jesus says, as he's ascending, he says, these signs shall follow them that believe. It does not say these signs shall lead them. The lepers, Scripture clearly says, were healed as they went. Peter didn't walk on water until he stepped out of the boat. So, you can live safely in 2024, but maybe, just maybe, the miracles, signs, and wonders that you're hoping fall into your lap one day, 
God is going, I'm ready. But they're going to follow you. Are you going to step outside the boat? Are you going to walk, lepers walking toward the priest? That was a death sentence. But he says, will you trust? Will you have confidence? Even Lazarus, come forth. He initiates motion from his people. And so sometimes when we're trying to sound all super spiritual and holy and go, yes, I'm just waiting for God to speak. That's our way of being like, I'm just being lazy and sitting around because I don't know what to do and I'm not really ready to work hard yet. And I feel like God's going, oh, no, I've called you. Coordinates are set. Promises are there. Miracles are following. Are you content here? Are you going to go possess your promise? If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. And I'm, in, I'm inviting you, hopefully training, teaching a little bit, but then also hopefully challenging the church of the living God to pursue your promise because God cannot direct feet that are not walking. And so I think it's time for us to go, all right, and maybe even... Don't just come to an altar because that's what we typically do, but maybe even just stepping out and and even the symbolism of, no, right now I'm going to get these feet moving. I'm not going to, I could pray right here. You could pray right where you're at. But instead of doing that, why don't you get those feet moving and go to another place or come to the front and just say, I'm going to start walking Even symbolically, I'm going to start walking into my promise. I'm going to start walking into what he's calling me to be. I'm going to start walking in. I'm going to start possessing the promise, possessing the land. The signs are going to follow me. Miracles, signs, and wonders. The healing's going to take place. Miracles, ministry, relationally, physically, emotionally, mentally. I'm going to start walking in who he is calling me to be. If I have spiritual DNA, I want my spiritual DNA to have vision. And I don't want to just cross my fingers and hope for the best. I want to step into who God is calling me to be, to do what God is calling me to do. I'm not just going to sit around. You're going to hear about that on Sunday, dominion over circumstance. I'm not going to just sit around and be a, be a slave to a circumstance. No, 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 no. I know who I am. I'm going to possess my promise. I'm going to walk into with vision what God is calling me to do and be. Just like we symbolically just moved our feet right now. If you chose to do so, I'm praying blessing upon you. I pray blessing if you chose to symbolically move those feet, that God would bless that action. Even something simple like that. In the name of Jesus, bless this church. Bless us. Bless the people. Lord, who want more of you in 2024, Jesus? I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul. 
want more of you. 